Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. Thank you so much for listening. In each episode of this podcast, I look at a little bit of the work of Philip K. Dick and give my comments and and feelings about it. Um, In this episode, we'll be looking at Philip K. Dick's 1953 short story, The Impossible Planet. So The Impossible Planet was published in Imagination in October 1953. Imagination was uh, a magazine that Dick was publishing in a lot in 1953 and 1954. Uh, and this was one of a series of, of stories he published uh, in that time. He, it's a minor work. It's probably not one of the most well-remembered. The theme is was has been done better by other writers. So it's, it's more of a... Of a traditional kind of throwaway science fiction story. It's not one that's one of the more memorable of his tales. It doesn't really have a really Philip K. Dick feel. It's it's more of a standard kind of Twilight Zone uh, twist ending. But anyways, let's get into it and see what it has to teach us. So in this story, you have uh, uh, Captain Andrews and Norton. They're dealing with this 350-year-old deaf woman, a woman named Mrs. Gordon, who keeps insisting on purchasing a ticket to Earth. She had traveled from Riga to another planet, Formula 9, and she keeps saying, I need to get a planet to Earth. Uh, Now, we're a bit reminded here of the commuter in which you have someone coming essentially to a ticket booth asking for a ticket to a place that no one believes exists anymore. And then the question is, well, does this place exist? Could it exist? The old woman is accompanied by a robot. And Andrews writes on a piece of paper, because of course she can't hear, she's deaf, that he can't take the old woman to Earth because there isn't such a place at Earth. It only exists in myth and and like we never existed. It'd be almost as if we asked someone to take us to Atlantis or something or asked the boat captain to take us to um, yeah, some other place from, from myth. Um, the robot servant... The robot. I think this might be one of his earliest uses of the term robot. He uses it a lot, but essentially a robot is a, is a robot servant. And it explains that this woman, Miss Gordon, wants to see Earth before she dies, which will be soon because they stopped her life-extending um, treatments. Now, that's an interesting side point here is we have long-term life-extension technology available here. This is going to be most strongly articulated in Dick's great novel, The Crack in Space, in which people are going to be able to live essentially as long as they want through different uh, life-extending technologies. This device comes into play in other novels, too, like Now Wait for Last Year, where the mole is kept alive. The mole's like a political leader, but he's kept alive much longer than he should through various technologies and, and medical devices and things like that. Why this is a problem in Dick's world, it's not so much here issued as a problem, it's just a way to make this woman old enough to have remembered Earth from the past. But in other stories, it becomes a real social problem because old people who live forever and don't really age, they never have to retire, right? They never have to leave their jobs. And you end up with a very, especially with automation, you end up with a very crowded economy that doesn't have space for young people. And you end up with a really formal gerontocracy. But anyways, the robot, the robot in this story points out that she'll pay any money required for her to fulfill her final wish. 
So Andrews says, okay, if you're going to pay me, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. And he begins researching for possible planets that fit the legends of, of Earth. Norton points out that deceiving the old woman is illegal, so they can't just like find a planet that kind of fits, looks like Earth, and then show her that. that that'd be wrong. Uh, but through his research, Andrew learns that Earth was most likely the third planet of a nine-planet system with a single moon. All right, so it, it fits what we understand to be Earth. This narrows down the search to a few possible places. So you've got a planet nearby M43, which fits the description. But this planet has been devastated and is now just a degenerate trading colony. And when they arrive there, they tell Miss Gordon that here's Earth, and they prepare to land. Mrs. Gordon reacts violently to the news that they're on Earth. The planet looks nothing like the Earth she pictured from Legends. And Andrews explained to her simply that Quote, commercial ex operations exhausted the surface. So the planet was devastated by commerce, by industry, by extractive um, operations. Andrews has Norton show her on the surface. And the robot explains to her that, explains to Miss Gordon that she heard about Earth from her grandfather who had been born there. So I don't know if you take 350 years. I don't know how much we can assume life extension technology existed in previous generations, but maybe we're thinking 500 or 600 years in the past, people were still on Earth, which isn't that long ago. It's, it's, it's strange that people would forget that. It's not like it's thousands of years ago, right? Um, but for the story, I guess it works. You need to have Earth kind of fall into mythology. Norton and Andrews are you know, are taking her on this short tour of Earth. And Norton reports later on that Mrs. Gordon and the robot sat down in, the, in you know, sat down in the mud and filled the surface. And Norton could do nothing to stop them. Um, and then Andrews explains that they died. This is kind of a flashback, but he explains that they died because they left the ship. The radioactive toxins are too much for them. And Norton, disgusted by the deception, you know, because he thinks this is not Earth. This is just a radioactive planet that they took her to. He decides to just give Andrews his share of the fee that Mrs. Gordon paid and explains that he would like a new posting. Andrews takes comfort in knowing that Mrs. Gordon was senile and old and at least she got to experience Earth in her final moments. So it kind of everyone ends up happy in his view. But Andrews looks around and finds a small coin in the debris and he returns to the ship and takes a closer look at it which is, finds out it's a coin, and it bears some strange markings. And the markings are E Plurius Unum, of course. So it is Earth in the end, or at least this is a relic of, of Earth. So that's, that's the story. Um, what's to say about this? Um, well, except for the life extension technology, uh, I don't know if there's that much Phil Dickian to, to say about this. Um, it's, it's got that kind of twist ending that you see in kind of Outer Limits episodes and and Twilight Zone kind of shows. Now, of course, with the Planet of the Apes commanding such a strong place in Earth culture, I don't think many readers would be surprised who come at it now with the twist ending. Maybe in the 1953, it was a little bit more shocking for people to, to realize that this is the fate of how we treat our planet, right? The idea of us destroying a planet and then forgetting about it you know, is is pretty common. Um, it, it's even been used more recently in Battlestar Galactica, 
where Earth is this kind of mythical homeland of, of humanity. Now, the impossible planet is set far into the future. So, you know, it could be three, four, five, six hundred years. We, we, all we know is Mrs. Gordon's grandfather lived on Earth. So it's probably, you know, five, six hundred years since Earth was a clear and memorable homeland for humanity. Now, it shows a little bit of, I guess, the perils of consumer culture, the idea that people could forget their homeland so quickly. I mean, like, it's not like Americans forgot England or Europe after four or five hundred years. Now, maybe it's because they moved entirely from it and abandoned it that it quickly kind of fell out of memory. I just have a hard time believing that the records of this place wouldn't exist anymore. But anyway, it works for the story, right? It's just a story device that Earth falls into myth. Well, we can guess that people have been moving on for years, you know, that there was a long process maybe, and that Earth over a long period of time became a distant homeland. And maybe Mrs. Gordon's grandfather wasn't the last people who were born in Earth, right? Gradually, it just got forgotten over time. But more than forgotten, Earth was made uninhabitable. Oh yeah, so what this has to do with consumer culture is that it gets, it gets forgotten, right? It's, it's thrown away, it's garbage at the end, just like, you know, if I have a cup that gets shipped and I don't want to repair it, so I just throw it away, right? And, and in a few days, a few weeks, maybe, I won't even remember that that cup ever existed. It just becomes a discarded refuse. And maybe that's partially Dick's point here, is that something as precious as our homeland of our species could be forgotten, could be used just like any other consumer device. Earth was made uninhabitable. It was transformed into a massive wasteland by industrialization. And we presume war because we've read enough Philip Dick stories by this point to know that he thinks war will also have this effect. We've seen it in The Gun and we've seen it in other stories as well. The Centaurian Riga War that's alluded to in the story destroyed Earth and was so devastating that it turned the entire region into a backwater for centuries. So much so that people don't even really go there anymore to the whole region of, of space. The only memory of Earth that remains from the war is interpersonal relationships. The theme of the story seems to be, in the most straightforward way, the power of war to obliterate the memory of places. Now, there is some historical truth for this. Wars lift some places into historical permanent memory, of course. Gettysburg, Normandy, you know, these are places no one outside of the local area would know about if not for the fact that thousands of people died there. But at the same time, entire cultures, societies, ways of living, subcultures can and have been eradicated by war. You know, ethnic cleansing is a modern variant on this, but it's been going on for a long time, right? Who except historians remembers the Assyrians maybe or the Hittites or these other cultures that just kind of got washed away by, by war and conquest. One reason, in fact, that ethnic cleansings and genocides take place commonly during war is that Wars are times when you have a lot of destruction, of course, but there are also times when the eradication of cultures is not seen as a priority anymore, right? Um, if you look at the major 20th century ethnic cleansings, the Holocaust, the ethnic cleansing of Eastern Europe of Germans, the ethnic cleansings of various ones throughout Russia in the 1940s, they all took place under the cover of war, uh, the Armenian genocide. And, or the, the Greek ethnic cleanse, the ethnic cleanses of Greeks from Turkey. All that happened in war or in the near aftermath of war. 
The eradication of people can be seen as this unfortunate backdrop to violence. And in fact, Adolf Hitler made this point when he suggested that his crimes against Jews would be forgotten because the Turkish ethnic cleansing of Armenians was forgotten at the time. Now, thankfully, both ethnic cleansings are, are well remembered now. Now, Mrs. Gordon may be the last evidence that Earth exists as anything more than a than legend, really, that it exists as an actual memory carried on from her grandfather. The death of her robot confirms this interpretation. The reader is witness to the final transformation of Earth from history into mythology. Neither Norton nor Andrew are convinced that they bumped into Earth. Now, we do have Andrew seeing the coin. Now, we as readers realize that this coin is evidence that this is really Earth, but there's no reason Andrews would necessarily make the connection between this coin and the United States you know, currency. So in their view, Earth is just a myth and the old woman is just an opportunity to make money. So we get this kind of sadness to it. And we actually see Earth make that final step into mytholo pure mythology. It is interesting that Norton asserts his disgust with the commander, not, not over what happened to Earth, but over this misuse and the abuse of an old woman for profit. That, of course, it's profit, it's war, it's, it's the short-term benefits that led to the destruction of Earth. And this value, this abusive, this, uh, this willingness to use and misuse others and environments for profit still lives on in the human heart, as seen in the relationship between Andrews and, and uh, Mrs. Gordon. So that's it for The Impossible Planet. If you've read this story, I'd love to know what you think about it. Uh, did you get anything else out of it? Did I miss anything? Please share or comment. Um, but otherwise, I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening.